Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 941. My dad used to say that the brakes were easier to repair than the clutch. Downshifting was not always necessary. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Delta Pick Amello. Hey, Delta, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready for a fun ride that I would never go without my seatbelt. <laughs> smart lady, smart lady. Delta Picmello is the executive director at the California Automobile Museum in Sacramento, California. Founded by Dick Ryder, they opened their doors on May 1st in 1987. You'll find a wide variety of automobiles, including the 1886 Benz Patent Motor Wagon, a 1932 Miller Ascot Racer, and a 1981 DeLorean DMC-12, and many other spectacular automobiles. The mission of the museum is to preserve, exhibit, and teach the story of the automobile and its influence on our daily lives. Delta joined the museum in 2016, and she has over 25 years of nonprofit museum experience. She spent time at the Sacramento Zoo and then at California State Railroad Museum Foundation. And with a passion for old things that move, she traded steel wheels for rubber wheels. Delta is also a professional storyteller, historical reenactor, and an actress. And she's a tap dancer. Very, very talented lady. This is cool. I wish we were doing video. You could dance for us here today. Well, Delta, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for old automobiles? My path to these old automobiles has been um, somewhat varied. I actually wanted to get into theatrical arts, work in the theater, and I was interested in nonprofit organizations. And a friend of mine said, I have a job that I think you would be well suited for. And she invited me to apply to a job at the Sacramento Zoo. And my my world changed at that moment. And I learned so much about the operation of museums. I didn't know a lot about exotic animals. And when I left there and went to the railroad museum, I didn't know a lot about trains and the technology. And and when I came here, I knew some about cars from my dad, obviously, but I knew about museums. And that was what interested me. And I was really fascinated by this museum in its portrayal of automobiles and how we live our lives. It's, a, it's such a cultural icon for Americans. And so I was very excited to come onto this museum at a time where there were things that were changing and growing and to be a part of a really exciting future of this museum. So I came aboard not with an extensive car background, but with a, a more extensive museum background. And, and that's what I have to offer, I think. Absolutely. Well, very cool. You're in great company here on Cars. Yeah, I've had Many, many directors and curators of museums around the world. So uh, as we learn more about you and your life's journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Delta, take the wheel. I've lived by, I think, everything in moderation, including moderation. (laughs) 
originally by Ben Franklin. And that, that's kind of been my mantra. I get excited about the kinds of things that we can do here, but to also be pragmatic. And I have to look at what we have the people and the bandwidth, if you will, to do and be able to have big dreams, but have realistic goals. And so that's that's kind of my mantra. I like that. Yeah, Ben Franklin, he's a pretty sharp guy. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I like the little twist on the, the words there, too. Share a little story that instigated a bit of a passion for cars. Now, you tell us when you came into the museum, you weren't a, a big fanatic about cars, but you hinted something about your dad helping with cars. Maybe you want to go back to that point in time, but Tell us about a pivotal moment when you knew that you just might be a car gal. When I was a kid, my dad bought a 1969 Volkswagen van. And during his two-week vacation, he completely refitted it with all of the camping equipment, the classic camping van. And my brother and I, it was called the Delta Flyer. My mother's name was Delta as well. And we lived in that van even in the driveway. And, and I loved that. I loved that van. It just epitomized everything. It epitomized adventure. And we were going to go somewhere new and exciting and adventure. And so when I got my driver's license, I had always wanted to have a Volkswagen again. <laughs> yeah. And my first car was not a Volkswagen, but my second car was. My father found a used 1974 VW Super Beetle. Oh, cool. And it was a time that they created the Super Beetle, the uh, Sun Bug and the Moon Bug, and it was silver and gold. And <laughs> where I grew up, we lived right behind a Volkswagen dealership. The, the street around the corner and mm -hmm. behind us was a Volkswagen dealership. So I walked by and I saw, I remember seeing the Moon Bug and the Sun Bug. So I had this Volkswagen Bug and I decided that if I was going to have this car, and my dad encouraged me, that I was going to know how to take care of it. So I took a local class on how to tune up your Volkswagen. Cool. And I did everything. I changed the oil, adjusted the valves, changed the points, the plugs. I could tune up that Volkswagen. And I took it out, and if something went wrong, 99% of the time it was something that I did. Mm -hmm. So I could find out what was wrong with it and figure it out. I worked on the brakes. I really wanted to know that car, and so that was the encouragement that my father gave me. And so it wasn't a car that was, not, that was going to just be a car I was going to cycle through. It was going to be a car that stayed around for a long time. And consequently, today, I still have that 1974 Beetle. That no I way. Serious? <laughs> I do. I have, I've gone through a couple of engines that I haven't done them, but finally I reached the point where I had to pay for my repair. But I still have it. And I love that car. And it takes me back to when I was 16 years old every time I get in it. And I realized at that time while owning this car, what cars can mean to you? They become a part of your family. They're as important as anything that you own. They're just a part of your lives and they take you to the adventures in your life and the important places. And that's why when we get in this museum and I see people come in and they talk about that's the car that I had my first date on, or I remember my dad driving us around in that car. Those kind of evoking those kind of memories are really important because the car can do it more than anything else. You know, a couch or a refrigerator can't do that, but a car can. Oh, yeah. So that's why it's so exciting to be here in this museum and to, to share that with people. 
How fun. Well, you had a really smart father because uh, a lot of young women aren't as much into cars as guys, and even some young men are not. But for your dad to insist for you to learn how to work on your car to make sure you never got stranded, and that builds a sense of independence and reliability and confidence in a young person. I think that was really, really wise. So absolutely. That's cool. And I, absolutely. I haven't heard those terms, the moon bug, in a long time. I remember <laughs> those. Now you bring it up. My sister had a 73 bug. I had a 67 Carmen Ghia. So yeah, I mm-hmm. uh, did all the work on those cars myself. Well, Delta, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge you've faced in your career or your life. Maybe even a big failure that came along the way. But, of course, these things teach us invaluable lessons. So tell us about an experience. Walk us through it. And tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum moving forward. When I went to college, I thought I knew what I wanted to do, as many people do, I think, when they're, when they're in school. And I kept going through this period of knowing of discovering that I don't want to do this. And I, I got myself in a corporate environment and I was working for a startup company in the 80s when computers and internet and everything was, was new. And, and it was a very exciting company to be working for. But I, I quickly realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And the challenge was how can I find where I'm going to be able to make a difference And that's when I got involved in volunteering. And I just started to volunteer for a lot of different organizations at that point in my career and and try to see what was of interest to me. And that's where I met the woman who introduced me to the zoo. I worked for many nonprofits on a volunteer basis. And I took internships. And I, I just tried to find as many different places that I could figure out what I wanted to do because I kept figuring out what I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And it was during those volunteer experiences that I learned what I wanted to do. Then it was figuring out how to make that into a job that could support me. Right. That was the tough part. And I, I think just persevering with the volunteer aspect is really important when you're going to school and, and when you're looking for a change in your career, it's a great way to look and see how things are working and how they function and how you can fit in and how you can make a difference. And so that was an important step for me, I guess, was was volunteering and figuring out where I wanted to be. It's great advice. And I've said that to many, many people, especially young people, is go find a place you think you want to do that for a living and ask them if you can work for free for a while. And yep. most people will not say no to that. But of course, museums rely on a lot of volunteer time and that's another great place to go to volunteer time maybe if you're an older person and you love cars and you've retired and you need something to do there's so many great museums that could use your advice and your expertise and all your wisdom but uh, that's that's really great advice yeah fantastic and that was you know the volunteering that i was doing was to find myself and and what we offer in the museums and in the museum world across the board is also for people to who have reached the end of their career and want to do something that is significant and important to them. And you're absolutely right. Museums all over the country rely so much on their volunteers. They would not exist without them. And I think that time that I spent as a younger person volunteering helped me to understand working with volunteers. And Mm. consequently, in my career with nonprofits, I've had to spend a lot of time working with volunteers and finding their passion, supporting their interests while they support the entity that they're volunteering for. And so I think that taught me a lot. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Inside inside moves there. So very cool. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's time when you kind of find the right path to turn down, the right fork in the road to take. Tell us about your aha moment. I feel like the aha moment was when I was working in the corporate environment. It was a cable television billing company and that it was growing in this technology. And I, I suddenly thought, I don't want to make the world safe for cable television. I would like to <laughs> yeah. I would like to do something more and I'd like it to be something that is with um for families and for community. And I realized too at that time, because I think when you're younger you think you want to leave and you you know, someplace is always better. Someplace else is always better. But I, I really found that at that moment that what I wanted to do was to serve the community that I lived in. So while I pursued a career in museums, I really am, am devoted to the Sacramento area and watching this, this city and this region grow over the years has been really exciting. And so um, I, I think that I kind of discovered that what I want to do is be a part of my community and my community is in Sacramento and I want to serve uh, in a nonprofit organization that does something good for the community. And arts and culture are so important to our well-being and our happiness. And it's the kinds of things that make cities great. And so being able to be a supporter of the arts and cultures of my city has been I suddenly realized that that was, that's what I wanted to do. And so they kind of went hand in hand with the volunteering aspect. Very noble indeed. Well, let's talk about a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many with all the different things that you've done over the course of your career, but is there one that stands out you'd share with us? Yeah, I think that really the most proud moment is the most recent moment. And that is with this museum, this museum's been here for 30 years, and we have leased the building from the city, and it has always been the dream to own the building. In doing that, we wanted to make repairs, and, and one of the main repairs was to replace the roof. This is a 72,000-square-foot building. It has a huge barrel-style roof, mm -hmm. and it, the place leaked like a sieve mm -hmm. and has for 30 years. Yeah. And so when I started working here the next month, I was told we were going to start a capital campaign and we need to raise uh, $750,000 and fix the roof. And by the way, we're going to try to get the building at the same time. And so we spent our next uh, 18 months raising that money and we, we made it. We made that goal. And because we made that goal, I think the city paid attention. We finally got there okay they voted in city council to sell us the building, and all of a sudden, we had two huge things completed. Wow. We had the money to replace the roof, and we owned the building. And this had been a goal for this institution for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so I, I cannot say enough about that accomplishment. It's been huge, huge for me as a learning experience and huge for this institution. We are elated about our future wow. um, with those two things under our belt. Well, congratulations. Those are huge undertakings. I've been involved 
and have known many people with museums and a couple uh, local museums here that have gone through those kind of capital programs, raising money to build projects. I talked to Terry Cargus about the remodel he did of the Peterson Museum. And of course, Adam Langsbard, who just moved into our local LeMay Museum here, and he was part of the process of raising money for what they did down there, which I think he said was like $90 million, some massive amount yeah. of money. Just, yeah. just mind-blowing. So none of this stuff is cheap, but uh, kudos to you and the community for coming together and making that all happen. Now, I think you might have answered this question earlier, but I always ask everybody about their first really special car. You talked about that VW. Would that be the answer to that, or is there another car in your past? No, the first special car was the car I learned to drive on. Ah. And my dad started teaching me to drive when I was 14. And we went over to the local racetrack in the parking lot, and he taught me to drive a manual. And it was a Ford F50, 1972 Ford F50 mm-hmm. pickup truck, or uh, 150, excuse me. And the gears are really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those big <laughs> trucks, pickup. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Finding third was always <laughs> just really tough for me. So we would go out periodically, and by the time I got to – um, 15 and could shift very well. <laughs> yeah. He would, when we would go off on weekend trips, we'd get out into areas and he'd let me drive. And I didn't have a driver's license or, or permit at the time, but he let me drive and he was very, um, he'd read the newspaper supposedly and, <laughs> you know, let me take the wheel. With one eye and looking the other way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But the confidence that I gained from learning how to, um, repair the Volkswagen. The first confidence I gained was, was driving that truck. It was liberating. And I, I see versions of that truck and, and very fondly because once I got that third gear (laughs) and could get that going, I, it was, it was a wonderful thing. And I just felt like I could do anything. Yeah. That car really has my heart, even though I don't have that car anymore. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, your dad, again, very wise man. Yeah. That truck to instill the confidence the way that he did. Uh, little did you know back then what he was really up to, but very, very nice. Yeah. And that, of course, is carried through with all of your career moves. Well, how about Sellers Remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've owned that you've let go that you wish you had back in your garage? Not that I've owned, but that Volkswagen van that my dad had, we had for two or three years. And then my dad had an accident at work where he uh, smashed in, literally smashed completely his left heel. And um, he was the only driver in the family. Um, And so when he did that, he had to go to a manual Mm -hmm. and he had to sell the Delta Flyer. And to this day, my brother and I are, you know, we always talk about somehow getting the Delta Flyer back again <laughs> or a version of it. But Volkswagens are through the roof. Oh, yes. And Volkswagen vans, I mean, I can just look at them from afar. Yeah. The demand and interest and costs have been so crazy. And we had one of the best. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm just pleased that I was able to have that somehow in my lifetime because – 
I don't think it's in my future. I know. There was one sold last month in New York. I think it was the highest price ever paid. It was over $150,000 yeah, or something like that. it was that. like $174,000. Oh, yeah, my crazy. gosh. And, you know, for those of us who've <laughs> ever driven one of those or ridden in one, they're just slow as a slug. I mean. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know? Of course. I remember being in the, you know, over to the side, getting up the hills. And, yeah, trying to go over um, a pass in California <laughs> to go up to Mount. Yeah. Mount. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I drove uh, with a friend all the way up to Mammoth Mountain from San Diego once, and that Cajon Pass, oh, I thought we'd never get up it. I mean, the thing was going like 20 <laughs> miles an hour, screaming inside that metal box. Yeah. I'm like, I yeah. should have brought my Carmen Ghia. It would have been so much faster. Well, <laughs> we're into the new year here. So again, Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. I would love for you to share with our listeners what kind of things they could expect to see when they visit the California Automobile Museum in Sacramento, and what has you really excited and fired up about the museum this year? Well, as I explained, purchasing the building really gives us the opportunity to make our home permanent, and we are really excited about the roof being repaired because there have been a lot of cars and exhibitry that we really did not want to take in because of the potential problems with a leaking roof. We mm. just didn't feel comfortable being responsible for those. So we have this opportunity now with this brand new roof and our own building to really forge ahead with some exciting exhibits and rearranging our collection to really look into the future Sacramento region is embracing innovation, and our mayor, who is new this year, Daryl Steinberg, the mayor has supported an idea of innovation in our region, in Sacramento region, and we want to support that at the museum by telling the story of this massive change to using personal transportation differently. Uber and Lyft, uh, you know, are all changing the way we've used personal transportation. The idea of autonomous vehicles is also going to change it as well. So we're very poised to tell that story because we're in the heart of California. We're in the heart of the area that is that is working on those types of innovations. And we have a city government that is embracing it. So we really want to tell that story and be more than history and nostalgia. So I'm very excited about that opportunity because this is a living, breathing change in how we live our lives that's happening right now as we live. It's not going to be something that's 20 years from now. It's happening now. And so it's very important to be telling the story while it's happening. And that's an exciting thing for this museum. And that's an exciting way to approach our mission statement, which, as you said, was to preserve and to share and tell the story of how the automobile has impacted our lives, because it's impacting it again <laughs> more yeah, now yeah. than, you know, ever before. And the conversations that are happening and the, that are just incredible. And so that's that's what I'm really excited about for the future. We continue to tell stories about the innovation that has happened in the past. For example, our next uh, upcoming exhibit in March will be on Sacramento Customs 
the Bears brothers came from the Sacramento region, and one of the brothers stayed here. One of them went to Hollywood. There's some other local innovators in custom cars that are that are really engaging and great stories to tell. So we're going to tell the stories about our region and its participation with the, with the automobile. But we're also going to be telling the story of what's happening with the future because the future is now, if right. I can steal that phrase. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really very exciting. It's an exciting time to be working in the automotive world and being involved in that. So I'm really excited about our future with that. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, these are very, very interesting times for sure. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Delta. If you were a car, what kind of car would Delta be and why? So I think the kind of car I would be is the Jaguar XKE, the E-Series from the 1960s. Oh, yes. (laughs) The beautiful lines of that car. I love style and I love fashion. And I just always love the look of that car. And it has a way of making, I think, an entrance. Yes. And it has... It has that sports to it, but also um, just kind of a a chicness that uh, says, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to explain that any more than that. But part of my love of cars is the styling and the the lines and the the beautiful curves of, of cars. And that car is to me, just a distinctive car. And I like to think of myself as being a distinctive person. So, Well, there you go. Oh, the Jaguar XKE was the car that started it all for me. Beautiful, beautiful cars. Now, would you be a coupe or a roadster? Hard time? The roadster. 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 Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have to have the wind blowing through my hair. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Very nice, Delta. Well, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. 
Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Delta, we are back and we're ending what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Kind of the lightning round here. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? My dad used to say that the brakes were easier to repair than the clutch. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> downshifting was not always necessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a smart man again, <laughs> teaching you some good things. Absolutely. Yeah, transmission and clutches are very expensive. Brake pads are really cheap. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years? I try to spend more time listening than talking. Hmm, Very, very wise. One of my favorite books is Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of the Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. Habit five, I think, is listen to understand. First, listen to understand, then speak to be understood. So, uh, yeah, yeah, my listeners heard this one before. It's my mom said we have two ears and one mouth. Yeah, so, so we listen more than we speak, but uh, yeah. sometimes I don't practice that. I need to do better. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? IMDBC, Internet Movie Database for Cars. Ah, yes. Every, every time you're looking up what that car is or, or, or think you know, that's been a great resource. Yeah, it is. I, I love going out there because popular culture and cars and pop, popular culture, cars and movies are, you know, all in our DNA and having a database like that to be able to reference has helped us countless times. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that site. Yeah, very, very cool. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? I think I would like to sit down with Danica Patrick. I think that she is a unique voice in the racing world in her perspective and and her experiences and understanding how she has maneuvered her way through a a male-dominated field, I think would be fascinating. I've been trying to get her on the show for some time. She has a big wall around her and her PR people are tough to get through, but I hope one day I have her on the show because, uh, yeah, she's can be very controversial and, of course, mm-hmm. what she's done. But I really admire her. I met her at a party once and got to talk to her very briefly. So don't really know her. I couldn't say I'm friends by any means. But I would love to have her on the show because, uh, yeah, she's gone some places and been very, very brave in her career. And I admire her very much for that. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners should crack open and read? Engines of Change. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great look at certain moments and certain things that have happened in the automotive world. We have a docent training program that is exhaustive, and you could take it year after year after year and still not learn all of the things about all of the cars. And I think en- Engines of Change has been very helpful to me. And then there's a, a book by the Design Museum called 50 Cars That Changed the World. Mm. And it's a very thin little book, nice little reference that is one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Engines of Change, I believe the author is Paul Ingracia, if I'm saying his right last name right. But yes, uh, it's a great book. And I'll remind our listeners that I'll put links on Delta's show notes page and the Cars Yeah website so you can find this book and 
all the great references she's shared with us and ways to get to the California Automobile Museum's website. So you can check them out and make plans for the next time you're in California, Sacramento, to visit this wonderful museum. There's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where you can go and find this book and all the past, gosh, how many guests now? 941 <laughs> guests <laughs> yeah. on Cars Yeah. Over a thousand books are listed there, and I made it very easy for you to click and buy. All right, Delta. We're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet to park in your garage. Money is no object. It doesn't matter where the car exists because I'm going to get it for you. Drive it over there and park it in front of your house so you can go for a ride. What would that car be and why? Oh, it's that Volkswagen van. <laughs> the VW it's that van. Volkswagen van. That VW van. That's not the Seether. It's the camper van. Camp. Oh, and okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what my dad put in there. It wasn't the you know nine seater. It was yeah. it had the the pull out bed and it had the little sink and refrigerator and <laughs> cool. stove and yeah. it had the awning that came out that you put the poles down. Oh yeah. That if I could have that car again, I would just be in heaven and my adventures would be endless. <laughs> that sounds fun. What color was that van that your dad had? It was just a, a, a plain tan exterior, but okay. it had this beautiful wheel cover on the back, uh-huh. and in it he had uh, the, the words Delta Flyer inscribed. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> oh, well, that shouldn't be too hard. And thankfully, uh, although they've gotten very expensive, uh, you're an inexpensive date for me today because some of the things people want on this show, oh, my goodness, they are very, very expensive. So you've taken it easy on me. I appreciate that, Delta. Okay, Thank you okay. very much. Well, Delta, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better and learning more about you and the California Automobile Museum in Sacramento. Is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you head off into the mountains in that VW camper van? <laughs> Support your museums, whatever they are. There, there are all kinds of museums across this country, and they offer so many wonderful stories and memories. And if you have museums in your area, support them, no matter what they are. Find one that interests you and, and visit, be a part, share it with people. They're, they're really the cultural parts of our lives that make it's more full and, and rich, and they're really important. And I I hope we all will support the museums that we have in our communities. Oh, absolutely. And we are nothing without knowing our history. So uh, very wise words and something that everybody can do in a little way, or if they have the means to do it in a big way, they definitely should. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the California Automobile Museum in Sacramento, California? We are at calautomuseum.org, and you can go out to the website and find out more about the exhibits that we have. And, of course, if you're in the Sacramento area, just right downtown and waiting for you to visit. There you go. Nice invitation. Well, again, listeners, you can find links to everything Delta shared today on her show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to carsyeah.com. Type in Delta or Delta Pick Mellow, but she's the only Delta here, so she'll be very easy to find. (laughs) I would encourage you to check out this museum next time you're in California. Definitely put it on your bucket list of things to do and places to be seen. Delta, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your many experiences with our Cars Out listeners and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. 
Thank you, Mark. Thank you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!